0: UMGoBlue.com by fans for fans since
1: 1999. Dan Murphy from ESPN, Phil Callahan from UMGoBlue.com. Gentlemen, how you doing today? Hey Michael. Did I already asked that question. No. Kind of lost. Okay. No, you're good. Okay. We're well. It's what happens when I kind of chime in every so often and kind of make a fool Yeah, of you, you completely distracted me here. Yep. Ms. Sorry about that, boys. Dan, you got to get down to Columbus today, huh? You're you're going to do a story with the Buckeyes. I'm off off to Ohio State here in a couple hours.
2: Yeah, spent a day or two down there. Day or two down in Columbus. Yeah, what's the story in Columbus right now? Uh, I'm hoping to go spend some time with J.K. Dobbins, who right now looks like he might be the best back in the Big Ten by the ooh,
1: end of the year. Ooh, he is. Pretty people from, people good from right? Penn State are going to have some uh, disagreements with. I
2: mean, there. obviously Barkley is Barkley. He's the, probably the most complete back in the country, but uh, I mean. Dobbins looks like he's going to give him a run for his money. I mean, just hit the overreaction button for early September. But, man, he looks like an NFL back already as an 18-year-old. Wow. Wow.
1: Okay. (laughs) Put it out there. Dan Murphy. Follow him on Twitter, at DanMurphyESPN. Phil, let me ask you this question, because yesterday Jim Harbaugh was a little bit uh, defiant. About any type of questions about his quarterback, but we're all talking about his quarterback. What's going on with Wilton Spate?
0: Problems? There's no problems here. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's interesting to watch Coach Harbaugh because, on one hand, everyone is talking about what's going on with Spate. And, you know, I'm one to say, hey, give the guys a little bit of a break, but a quarter of the season is through. That is statistically important. And, I think the question is, considering the last four games of last season and the first three games of this season, have we reached peak Spate? And I think huh. th- I think that's the question that I have watching it. And and watching, uh, uh, you know, Coach Harbaugh, he's really kind of uh, frosty when people ask questions. Uh, you know, he throws the spin out there. He'll people people say, well, Coach, what would you say about Spate? Well, he's undefeated. He's great, and he, and you know that's going to get picked up. And that's the message he wants out there. But when you look at how he reacted when Rudok was here, and you look how Harbaugh reacted last year, he's definitely on alert, I think. He's definitely playing goalie a little bit. Yeah,
1: he seems, Dan, I mean, he's, he did this with Jake Rudok a couple years ago where the media was asking questions early on the season, and it paid off for him because he kept on saying, this is our guy, this is the reason he's our guy. Uh, and Jake Rudok ended up putting together a great second half to the 2015 season. I guess the question is, is I mean, I understand why he's doing it. He's circling the wagons. He's got his players back. But I I guess, you know, is Wilton Spade going to have the same progression? I mean, Phil just said maybe he's reached his peak. That would be a scary, scary scenario for Michigan and Michigan fans if he has reached his peak.
2: Yeah, I mean, Spade's, Spade's definitely made some mistakes. I think... Rather than him progressing, the entire offense really needs to progress. Whether you know they've got a bunch of young guys on the offensive line, I think we've talked a little bit about the, the play calling that stuff over the weekend, where they're just not as creative or wide open or willing to do as many different things as they have been. Uh, when things opened up with Rudock or last year when they were running over teams and putting up forty-five points a game and that type of thing, you don't see that same sort of ingenuity or different looks or you know you can you can pick out a lot of things that are going to happen before they're happening right now and that hasn't been a characteristic of them maybe that's because they're a really young team maybe that's because spade isn't firing on all cylinders but they got to figure out a way to do a little bit more as a group i think
1: yeah i mean you know you you look at the, the youth around him and you've got uh what uh three first-time starters along the offensive line. Uh, including two true, I mean, including a true sophomore and a retro sophomore. You've got the young wide receivers. You've got the young tight ends. Ty Isaac is your starting running back, but uh, you know it, it's there's not a lot of there's not a lot of experience around him. But isn't that on the quarterback to elevate the play of the guys around him, and that hasn't been the case?
0: You know, I think that's the point. There's a ton of inexperience around him, and definitely the offensive line, the interior of the offensive line, has some serious issues. Okay, I mean the the center guard gaps look like I696 during rush hour on some of those rushers. I mean I give Spade a uh, a little bit of a break because he's under a lot of pressure, but again, he's the returning starter. He's the guy who's supposed to bring the calm, and 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 you know I think the the number one issue you have is you know when you're getting that kind of pressure up front. You need a guy who can hit that little dump pass, hit the little tight ends. You have a guy who's under-throwing and overthrowing. That's a pick-six machine just waiting to happen. And when people criticize the play calling, I look at it and I say, listen, it's a function of what I think Harbaugh thinks he can do with the offense right now. And I, I think they have some serious questions on what he can actually do. Um, I mean, we saw that play last week where Spate spun around, looked great, avoiding the rush. And, and and that play encapsulated Spate this season. He looked great in that little spin around. That's exactly what you want to see from a veteran. And then instead of just taking whatever yards he could get, he tried to do this little mm-hmm. little put pass. And and again against a more athletic defender, that could have been 94 yards the other way. And and it's just it, you're cringing. You know I'm cringing when I watch it. It's like gosh, just stay, be within you, do what you can do, and it. Right now it seems like he's he 's just not sure of himself
1: there 's an indecisiveness it seems like to to his game that we haven 't seen in the past and I wonder because he he was at the you know the coach 's show last night uh, it doesn 't seem like at least publicly he 's wavering at all, but you know what you hear publicly and what 's going on internally might be two different things
2: yeah I'm almost definitely I think that the Michigan does a pretty good job of, of putting its uh, its message out there, especially with with Harbaugh kind of leading the way in that factor, and uh, yeah, I mean he he definitely has things to figure out. I think he knows that. I think he's he's fairly honest about it. When he was talking Saturday after the game about some of the frustration she showed on the field and kind of throwing his arms up in the air and that type of thing after the red zone stuff wasn't working out, and um, I, I, yeah, it's, it's I think they're on a learning curve right now and. It's it's tough to say how quickly they're going to climb up that, but they they got to climb up climb up it pretty quickly, I think. Yeah,
1: they do. And if they have been holding back, and I've had, I mean, you darted up, Dan, like maybe the the play calling is not as creative as it's been in the past. And you know, we've had a lot of people say, well, they're holding back, they're playing vanilla for these first three teams. And I'm not buying that. I, I don't either, because for me, it's like, why would you play vanilla? And if you've got better plays, if you've got plays that the offense is more efficient at, that you've developed in in fall camp, why would you not be running them and developing that confidence that this team's going to need starting this week against Purdue? I don't don't see the rationale behind holding something back when you're trying to get young guys to develop some chemistry and some confidence.
2: Well, on top of that, they were... In a, a three point game midway through the third quarter against Air Force, if if you hold things back for Big Ten season, but you lose to Air Force, you know that, that's that's a, a ball game you need to win in order to to get where they want to get. I think, and um, you know, other than a Donovan Peoples Jones punt return, that's a, a nail biter of a game all the way through. And they, there's no reason to not open up the playbook if you've got more to show at that point. Without a doubt, without a doubt. All right, so it's not listen. It's
1: not all on Wilton Spate. There are other portions of this offense, all the parts of this offense that are struggling. Guys let me ask you this question. What has been outside of the quarterback ploy, what has been, you think, the biggest um deterrent or handicap of this offense so far? Why is this offense struggling outside of Wilton Spate?
0: For me it's an easy call to the offensive line. Um again, um you as you mentioned you have three new starters on the offensive line. Um you have guys getting shuffled around it, it it just it's not solid, um, and and you know the worst thing about it is, you know I hate to say this it reminds me of a couple years ago uh, under Hoke where different parts of the offensive line would fail at different times. It, you didn't have one weak spot. One point, one guy would do great. A couple plays later, it would fail in a different place. So it, it seems sporadic. And you know the, the thing about offensive line is it's not any one guy. It's how they operate as a unit. So. On one hand, it doesn't make a lot of sense to shuffle the lineup right now because they need to get together as a team. But uh, again, it's it's not a solid front right now, and and it's the number one, actually even more than Spade. I think it's the it's probably the top reason the offense is, is struggling right
2: yeah. now i'm with you on that i also think that they're they're not quite sure who they are on offense yet whether if, if they can't get that offensive line going are they a team that can just run you over and give the ball to ty isaac 15 times a game and chris evans another 12 times a game and and try to pound the ball are they a team that needs to dump it out on those quick screens and get the ball and to eddie mcdoom and donovan peoples jones and let them be athletes on the outside they've got a lot of guys who are have have potential and are pretty good and could be breakout guys but no one's really stepped up above and said, okay, here's your top playmaker, here's the guy you need to go to when you need to play, and until they kind of make a decision as to what type of offense and what type of identity they want to be, they're sort of just wavering back and forth and never really establishing the rhythm that you see when teams are really rolling and have somebody that they know they can count on.
1: Well, you bring up a, a great point. It's something that when I look at the last three years, I mean, this has been my, probably my biggest criticism of Jim Harbaugh is that he is never, outside of the last five games of 2015 where Jake Rudock was just going off off. He has never really, or Michigan's never established an offensive identity in these last two and a half years. Is it the power running game that we, the power running team that we saw at Stanford and we saw at San Francisco? They've never really gotten there. Is it a downfield passing game that we've never really gotten there? Is it, you know, what is it about this? Is it, is it using the tight ends in a very creative way? Maybe a little bit. But not to the, not to the degree that we thought maybe we'd see it. So I don't know what the offensive identity of this Michigan football program the last three years. And I think they're still trying to, they're still trying to build those pieces. But at some point, uh, you've just got to wonder, like, when are you going to see those pieces come to fruition? And I think that's for me the biggest disappointment is that we're still waiting. And yes, it's a young, a young group, but last year it wasn't a young group and there were all the same problems. So at some point it can't just be well one year it's one year it's not enough talent one year it's not, uh, young, one year it's a young group. People say be patient and wait and maybe maybe it happens in 2018 but maybe in 2018 you've got a new quarterback. So I'm just I'm like waiting for them to just assert themselves and they just haven't done it yet. All right, gentlemen. Uh, Tariq Black yesterday Jim Harbaugh announced that Tariq Black's going to miss the foreseeable future, very likely the rest of the regular season. Who steps up and replaces Tariq Black?
0: I think it's going to be Eddie McDoom. I think it's going to be his opportunity to to step in and be, and be the man. And, and, you know, that'll be great for the fans because we will hear the Legion of Doom every time uh, well, he not, lines up. Not this weekend. He'll be on the
1: road, <laughs> but yes. Okay.
0: Oh, I, I think uh, we'll have a, a pretty healthy contingent of fans down in Purdue even this weekend.
2: So he's got McDoom. Is that who you're going with? Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair. I mean, I don't know that anybody steps in and the offense changes a little bit. Like, Black was the kind of guy that they, they like to air it out to from time to time. I think the people that can do, I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones probably becomes a guy that they can do that with. But the possession receivers, I think you've got to rely on Grant Perry a little bit more. You've got to rely on Kakoa Crawford to step up a little bit, um, and become a bigger presence. And then McDoom, as far as just being a playmaker and, and getting the speed, I think it's kind of a, a by committee deal. Yeah, it's certainly, I mean, that's the thing is we don't really know yet, and it's
1: gonna be a great opportunity. It could be a great opportunity for Maurice Ways. It's gonna be a great opportunity for Coco Crawford, uh, for Eddie McDoom, as Phil said here, and, and Donovan Peoples Jones. So, uh, Grant, I mean, there's a lot of options. There's a lot of options, and, uh, I guess we'll see if, you know, if they get tested anymore, then we're gonna to have to burn Nico Collins' red shirt. We'll see if they can survive without him this particular weekend we're talking to dan murphy from espn you can follow him on twitter at dan murphy espn we're talking to phil callahan from um you can follow him on twitter at p callahan that's c-a-l-l-i-h-a-n gentlemen before we move on to the talk about the defense ty isaacron higdon or chris evans ty Isaac has been the guy uh he's leading his team in rushing but there are certainly some some issues this past game with him not hitting holes hard uh, leaving yards on the table who is the guy we're three games in. Who is the guy or who should be the guy going forward for Michigan football?
2: So far, it's been Isaac. I mean, I, I think obviously that stuff can change, especially with running backs, uh, depending on, on the day or the kind of groove they get in, which is a good thing to have a few options. But so far, if it's, if it's third and three and you need to pick up a first down or something like that, I, I would imagine that Michigan probably would want to put the ball, be most comfortable putting the ball in his hands based on what, what's happened so far in three games.
0: I really like what we saw from Chris Evans last year, but so far, you know, after Ty Isaac, I have to go with Higdon. I mean, he really he really looked good at the end of last game. You know, the bigger question I have in the running game is who's going to be able to run inside? Because, you know, when I went back and broke down tape, uh, actually this kind of highlighted the problem on the offensive line for me. Most of Isaac's runs were all bounce outs to the outside And to me, you're just not going to be able to get through the Big Ten season doing that Well,
1: but you know what, I don't think that they're all designed to be bounce out plays to the outside He runs a lot of that on his own He, he seeks out daylight uh, You know, there there was, there was were two plays when Benny Jopper and I were watching a film And we'll be breaking it down at Pizza House Garage Bar tonight uh, That the ball, the ball was supposed to go right The entire line is moving right and I understand that there's cutback lanes that are always put into place for you to, to go back, you know, to cut across. That's what made the Denver Broncos so good for so many years was all those running backs were using the cutback lanes. But when watching the film, like that wasn't what they were really trying to do. And yet he looked to the right, saw the bodies, and cut back to the left because he saw, thought there was more daylight there. He gets tackled after a two-yard gain. I don't know how many times he can keep doing that before he starts losing his opportunities because they want him to run behind where the blocking is going, and he's not doing it consistently enough.
0: You know, that's a good point. It'll be interesting to see, um, and I think we're going to see it against Purdue. I think we're going to have to see it against Purdue. And, you know, if he keeps bouncing it outside and the play is designed to go one way, we're definitely going to see one of those other guys step in.
1: Well it should be an interesting game against Purdue on Saturday. When we come back we will talk Michigan defense for our Michigan Media Roundtable, sponsored by RentLikeAChampion.com. This is Inside the Huddle on Sports Talk 1050, WTKA Ticket. Hey, welcome back to Inside the Huddle. You know, tonight from 6 to 7, 7.30 p.m., I will be at the Pizza House Garage Bar on Church in South U uh, with Benny Jopru, former Michigan All-American tight end. We broke down the film on... Sunday together, and we will be breaking down the film live at uh, Pizza House tonight. We're happy hours extended from the whole time that we're there, so come after work. Join us. Uh, we've been getting about 15 to 20 people. We're hoping to get it up to about 30 people or more every week. Uh, we could, we're going to we're gonna look at the film, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, Benny's going to take questions from you, whatever you come up with. So join us at Pizza House tonight, 6 o'clock. And get some pizza, get some beer, and talk some Michigan football. All right, we continue on our Michigan Media Roundtable with Dan Murphy from ESPN and Phil Callahan from UMGoBlue.com. We were talking about the offense. Let's look at the defense where there's really no question marks and everything is roses and butterflies. Uh, Gentlemen, Gary said, Rashawn Gary yesterday said, the best is yet to come from the defense. What the heck does that mean?
2: <laughs> that means Rashad and Gary is, uh, that, that's kind of his status quo, I think, of you haven't seen anything yet, despite him showing a lot of things. I mean, I don't know, I don't think there's any, uh, magic rabbit in the hat that they haven't pulled out yet. I think they're gonna be as good as they've shown, which is really good and good enough to win a lot of games. They've got a lot of speed and a lot of athletes and They've got Don Brown putting them in the right spots to make plays. They haven't had a shutout yet, so maybe he's talking about
1: that. He's looking at Purdue, and there's a lot of talk about Purdue. I mean, maybe he's saying that they're going to go out there and shut out Purdue. He he wasn't explicit about it, but if the best is yet to come, I just wonder what that looks like.
0: I mean, maybe they're going to pick up the slack for the defense, or for the offense. Maybe they're going to score two touchdowns on defense. Um, You know, the thing that I...
1: Tell you what, they scored two touchdowns on defense on Saturday. They win this one without a problem. Absolutely, <laughs> because they got that's fourteen points, and you got to figure Quinn Ordean's going to get like thirty. So ten field goals, you'd be all set. <laughs> all right.
0: So how I read that comment is that, you know, the way I when I broke down tape on the Air Force game is that the defense kind of played vanilla for them. Um, you know, it, you know, people were were concerned that offense that Air Force was getting four or five yards on a run but really what they were doing is they were giving Air Force that option they were taking away the triple option and the double option saying go ahead chip for three to five yards you know we will trade three to five yards for getting a hit on your quarterback and, and that's one of the things I really like uh, you know on a defense is we will trade yards for if we can put damage on your quarterback if we can beat you substantially during the game that is going to impact the effectiveness of your offense throughout, mm-hmm. and that's how I looked at it. Is They said, you know what, we don't need to do our crazy blitzes. Here, guys, go ahead, run to the outside and, and bring your quarterback up and we're going to pound him and and they did. They really put some hits on him.
2: I think the triple options are a really frustrating offense to play against, especially if you're a player like Rashawn Gary uh, who likes to be full speed ahead and, and getting after a quarterback. You really can't do that. you got to be incredibly patient and disciplined to play well against them and it's it's not like an exciting uh Harrow on fire type of defensive approach when you're slowing down a team like that. Against a team like Purdue that's gonna want to throw the ball a whole lot with David Blau back there, they're probably a little bit more excited him and Chase Winovich and a couple other guys on the line about getting a few chances to just go and get after the quarterback. Well, I
1: think what's interesting to me when I look at this and you know, I know I, I know that Rashawn Gary's playing well. I mean, I've been watching the film and um, he's making a lot of plays that are going for that are leading to opportunities for Khaliq Hudson, leading to opportunities for Devin Bush. Uh, but when you look at it, here we are through three games. Chase Winovich, two and a half sacks, four tackles for loss. Rashawn Gary, half a sack, one and a half sacks for loss. Is Chase Winovich stealing his thunder at this moment?
0: Chase Winovich has definitely been a revelation so far. Um, not only with his play on the field, but uh, with the way he interacts in the media. You know, he's very free. You know, and it's funny. The players talk about him that he's that he's wild in practice and he's wild on the field. So I think yeah, he he definitely has has. Maybe eclipsed is too much of a word, but he's definitely uh, risen in, in estimation. I think.
2: Dan, looks like a Targaryen with that new hair color, too.
1: Uh, really boy, drawn. just making a Game of Thrones drop. Nice, <laughs> Dan. So you had this quote that you posted on Twitter <laughs> that Chase Wendovich... did he did? So did you ask the question? Like where did like where did this question this answer come
2: from? Honestly, I, I think it wasn't a direct question. It was mostly just Chase riffing on his own thoughts about playing Air Force and then their uh, ability to kind of keep coming at them. He was. Uh, you know, I think it's a, a somewhat sort of, uh, not totally original thought of someone who just played one of the military academies to show a little patriotism afterwards, and and uh, look forward to those guys battling. Uh, yeah, other what was enemies. The, what was the quote he he said? Uh, the direct quote I don't rem- off the top of my head. I'd probably something. It was something along the lines of I feel bad for the terrorists who have to face those guys in the next couple of years. Of course, some some Michigan State and Ohio State fans saw him as a uh, you know terrorist sympathizer immediately, but he was. <laughs> jokingly jokingly okay. um, but he uh, yeah, I mean, he was just just kind of complimenting Air Force for keep coming and uh, continuing their resiliency when um, you know they were they were outweighed and and uh, you know not as strong as Michigan's defensive line but but did keep coming at him for four quarters.
1: did you expect it to go as viral as you did because i I saw at one point I think you had you know like a thousand likes and more than like 400 retweets and i don't know what it is up to now
2: yeah I, I haven't looked at it in a little bit but yeah i don't know that's I, I still have yet to figure out why some things uh go viral and others don't somebody picks it up and passes it along to a, a bigger audience that, that gets excited about it but um yeah i think that's kind of typical chase he'll he'll say something funny or something interesting he's got a little more personality than some of the other guys. Uh, than most of the other guys that you'll you'll talk to in uh, Michigan's locker room. Let me
1: ask you guys this question. So you're starting this this team from scratch. You're starting this defense from scratch. You have the number one pick. Say it's the spring game like they like they do, and they have the number one pick. With everything you know after the first three games, because I think before the season all of us were taking either Rashawn Gary or Maurice Hurst for the number one pick. What you know now, who is your number one pick on this defense? Who's the most impo- Essentially, who is the most important player on this Michigan defense after three games?
0: I'll take Devin Bush, number one. And uh, it, it's great to see, you know, you have expectations for a player in a position for what you saw in the spring, and for me, he's exceeded it. I mean, really, I was wondering where the linebackers are going to be, and he's all over the place. He is, he is lightning fast, he hits, and uh, he, he's been a great revelation uh, for me watching the defense so far this year.
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm with you there. I think he's kind of been the, the heartbeat and setting the tone a little bit with his, he plays with a little bit of edge and a lot of speed, and it's kind of what the identity, you know, we are talking earlier about how the offense is struggling to find an identity. I think through guys like Devin Bush and Khalid Hudson, the defense, which had to really start almost from scratch this year, found their identity within like, you know, a half of football against florida where they were going to be a really fast team they were going to be swarming the ball and they were going to play with a little bit of attitude and and so far it's worked out really well for him. and bush has been very much at the middle of that i mean if, if we're going just on like pure raw talent and ability i think Rashawn gary's still got to hmm. be got to be at the top of your list but as far as a guy who's been the tone setter for this defense no one's been more important than bush yeah no i, I think you guys are spot
1: on i think tyree kennel is is right up there too uh, Rashawn Gary, Chase Winovich. I mean, they've had a lot of really good players uh, defensively. Uh, it's, it's funny, I asked uh, I was at my brother's house yesterday, and we were watching the Lions game, and I said, hey, rank the top ten players on this Michigan team right now. And eight of his top ten were defensive players. The only two players, one was Quinn Nordine and the other one was Ty Isaac. And Mason were, Cole, th- you should throw that group. They were nine and ten. Yeah, well, it's his pick, not mine. But, uh, <laughs> But it's just incredible how well this defense has played the first three games. And now they've got a a very big and real opportunity to take on a Purdue team that's been playing really well offensively. Is Purdue for real? That's my question. As we're trying to figure out, I'm going to talk to Tim Newton from uh, Purdue Sports Network on Friday. But we're trying to figure out, is Purdue for real? Or does Michigan go in there and do whatever we expected them to do when the season began?
0: Is Michigan for real? Uh, that's a good question too. I think that's the bigger question, and I think that's what we're going to find out on Saturday. Is there's been this thought that Michigan is idling and and holding things back? I don't think so, but but we're going to find out. And what I love about this point in the season is really I don't we don't have to worry about what happens in practice. We have enough on the field. I mean, maybe Wilton Spade is lighting it up in practice. Maybe. But if we're not seeing it on the field, it really doesn't matter. So what we're going to see on the field at 4 o'clock on Saturday is going to tell us, is Michigan or Purdue real? Are they both real? Um, I believe the Michigan defense is for real. Okay, I don't see, at this point, um, them giving up more than two to three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Now the question is, can the offense score two to three touchdowns? Um, Hey, man, 14 points all they if they
1: give up 14 points or less Quinter Dean is gonna have 15 points so we'll be all set what do you what do you think Dan do you think Purdue's for real and and do you think Michigan's for real
2: uh I mean Purdue it, it depends on what you mean by for real is this the same Purdue team that that played the last two or three years no I think they've definitely already answered that it's just a different feel they've get their more creative they're more interesting they're, they're having a lot more fun and they, I think they're a lot more confident already in themselves which is which is a big deal when you're trying to climb out of a hole like that are they for real in the sense that they're gonna go beat Michigan and Ohio State or Penn State this year no I don't think they're there I don't think they have the depth or the, the strength and and I think uh, Brahm has been pretty honest about saying like hey you know we, we've got some work to do here we're, we're not going to be quite up to full speed for another couple of years but uh, I, I think they've probably gotten off to a better start than than most people at Purdue expected them to get off to with the way they've been playing recently. I think they got a chance to scare a few teams. I don't think they're like a um, you know 8-9 win team quite yet. We'll see on
1: Saturday. They're expecting a sellout at Ross Aid Stadium. Now, as, as Phil said, maybe that means 20,000 Michigan fans will be there, and that would certainly uh, help Michigan's cause because they have not been a great road team uh, the last couple of years. And they've got, I mean, they still have something to prove when they go on the road, and Purdue's going to be a good opportunity for them to do that. Dan, uh, Dan Murphy from ESPN here. Dan, you're going to be uh, at another big game on Saturday, Michigan State Notre Dame. And Notre Dame had a good bounce-back victory against Boston College. The, the quarterback and running game got going. Michigan State is 2-0. and And so which one of these programs? Notre Dame had that, had that loss a couple weeks ago, but after a good win, I mean, which one of these programs does this game mean more to? And is Michigan State for real?
2: I think we'll find out a lot about both teams. I think, you know, Notre Dame had the loss to Georgia, but we'll put up a pretty good fight against the Georgia team that I think is going to be pretty solid, if nowhere else other than that front seven, where the, that they did a really nice job of shutting Notre Dame down there. But um, two running quarterbacks, you kind of have to show that they can throw the ball a little bit more consistently and accurately against each other to win that game. I think Brian Kelly actually brought that up this weekend that he's going to need Wimbush to throw the ball better, and, and uh, the Spartans are going to need LaWerke to be able to beat. Notre Dame down the field, uh, through the air a little bit, but um, Michigan State, I, jury's still out to me. I, I think that they've done a great job of of avoiding calamity coming off of the year that they have, both on the field and off the field, getting things turned around. You know, they they built a lot of positive momentum um, in in preseason camp, and all that stuff could have disappeared in the snap of a finger if if they don't go out and, and win a couple games that they should win right away and they they looked a little shaky right out of the gates in that first game but they, they rallied quickly and showed that they've got a little bit of resolve um, how that looks against Notre Dame. If they beat Notre Dame then all of a sudden they're a really interesting team I think and a team that while they're not quite going to be back to where they were a couple of years ago when they were in the Rose Bowl and winning Big Ten titles that they're, they probably are, are maybe in for a quicker turnaround than, than I had originally thought they would be.
1: Alright, good stuff from our Michigan Media Roundtable. Dan Murphy, Dan Murphy ESPN on Twitter. Phil Callahan from umgoblue.com. You can follow him on Twitter at pcallahan.
0: Thank you for listening to the umgoblue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for umgoblue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.